Studios of WORQ in Wisconsin. This is the Stand Up for the Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up for the Truth. Welcome to Stand Up for the Truth for July 14th. I'm so glad you joined us. I'm blessed and privileged to be your host today. My name is Mary Danielson, and regardless of the time or the season, it's all about having another day to serve the Lord. And who knows? Maybe it's our last day as a church. Perhaps today. There's a tune stuck in my head by Buddy Holly that starts every day. It's a getting closer, going faster than a roller coaster, and that's an apt description of the hour. And this thing just keeps playing over and over my brain, so (laughs) that's where I'm at. I'm so glad you're here today. Welcome this morning. Uh, scripture passage today, Psalm 62, 5 to 8. My soul, wait silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Let's pray. Lord, you indeed are our refuge. What a wonderful uh, list of things that we have in you, our rock, our salvation, our defense, our glory, the rock of our strength, and we shall not be moved. Praise God. Thank you so much, Lord. Um, This blesses our hearts today as we seek to live for you another day, draw closer to you moment by moment. And I pray that the meditation of our hearts... um, and the words of our mouths would be acceptable to you. And we ask you to join us today, walk among us today and every day, protect us by your Holy Spirit, and strengthen us uh, for whatever it is you have for us. Pray for Chris today and his ministry, his family, that you'd put a hedge of protection around him. Uh, just uh, give him that joy and um, just the strength to do um, what he wants to do for you, what he's, what you've called him to do. And we thank you for Chris and his ministry, and we pray you bless him. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, my guest today, Chris Quintana, served as a senior pastor of what was Calvary Chapel Cypress and then became Calvary Chapel Old Path, uh, which Chris pastored from 2010 to 2020. He re- relocated to Texas and now teaches the scriptures in an online format. Chris leads trips to Israel. I know there are some coming up. I know that is dear to his heart, so we can ask him about that. Uh, what comes through even more so, though, when you get to know Chris, is how he desires that people would come to know Jesus, have eternal life, and then more and more come to know and understand his word so they can learn of him, love him, keep his word. Oldpaththeology.net, and if you're on YouTube, just uh, in the search box, do Old Path Theology. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mary. How are you? I'm well. It's great to have you back. Um, you attended Calvary Cypress before you knew the Lord, uh, and I found this little bit in your bio here. Can you just uh, take a minute and tell us a bit about that? Because how long did it take for your eyes to be opened? Was there a specific study or passage that grabbed you or hit you like a freight train? How did that go? Uh, it wasn't a particular anything. Uh, it was a time when, when we were really kind of exploring, I guess you'd say I was um, kind of exploring, and shortly after that, my wife, now wife, Beth, of 37 years, um, and I uh, were going to Cyprus 
shortly after, I kind of came to that point of just realizing it's not just about church. There's something a bit more to this. And uh, a friend of ours had been taking us out into Riverside, California, and we got sick of the drive. And um, we just kind of planted our roots at Cyprus, and that's really where it all took off. I'm not one of those people that can tell you where I was the day I got saved, what I was wearing, what I was eating, you know, all that stuff. And some people are really good on that recall. I just know it was a time in my life, and it was in the mid, uh, somewhere in the middle part of 1985, going into the fall, and that's when everything started to be kind of mm. eyes open. And it was shortly after that that we started attending Cyprus, and we never left that church. That was our home church from that day, whenever it was we first started going there until the time that we drove away from California to move to Texas, so 35 years. Well, so you were definitely called to that. Well, praise the Lord. I love, <laughs> I love everybody's got a story, and I love it. So uh, let's just go ahead and dive in on what we're going to talk about today. And we want to cover the recent Gallup poll that reveals a lot, a lot about the downward spiral of confidence that Americans have in key societal institutions and... Not just the institutions, the experts that troll the halls of the institutions. Experts in, in air quotes, right? So it's a double whammy, really. We've come to massively distrust those institutions in general. And I would guess no amount of fixing at this point is going to matter. The numbers from 1979 to 2023 are just not good. NPR has an article on it entitled, A Toxic Brew of Mistrust. And of course, they're going to spin the poll from the farthest left that they can come down imaginable but it's still the topic uh, the title applies Gallup has been conducting this poll since the early 70s and it certainly mirrors what a lot of us of a certain age have been saying about the decline of America and its culture and this puts some numbers to it now Harris poll and a couple others have been doing something similar since the 70s uh, we're not going to take on those two because we'll all get bogged down but the numbers are about the same, mostly in the ditch. This particular poll ran from June 21 through June 23, and we're able to compare the dips and drops over that period of time. Uh, the order of the graphic is important because the most trusted institutions are at the top, so that's where we're going to start. Least trusted gets the bottom position. There are 16 American institutions that people were asked about, and um, we're going to take them one at a time this morning. Uh, Chris and I will discuss them, and... Uh, I'm sure his insights will be uh, fantastic. So let's dig in, Chris. The first group is small business, and it seems that Americans still look favorably on this group of hardworking citizens. It's no surprise that the government doesn't because we know what COVID did for these folks. And so for the small business numbers, we have uh, 2021, um, 70% trusted small business, 2022, 68. So it's just a minus two percentage points. Chris, what do you have, uh, what are you thinking about small business? Where are we at with that? Yeah, small business, I, I, you know, I guess as we intro this whole thing, I, I, as every one of these that we will look at and examine, the one thing I have to ask myself is why would one rate so high and then at the bottom one would rate so low? And I think if we have this as just like the prism or the, the lens that we look at it through, each of these 16 groups I think you you can take a look at how they haven't decided to jump in on the cultural shift that's been taking place. Mm. They haven't had their hand on the scale of of pitting one group against another. They don't have agendas. They just are are supposed to do what they are intended to do, and they don't get into all the peripheral stuff mm. of trying to push agenda and ideology. 
small business is one of those groups that you say, look, they're just there to provide a living for themselves. Mm -hmm. They're not the corporate types. This is the little mom and pops who just say, I want to exist. And so would people have the confidence to go into a small business, not worried about what the CEOs at the top are doing, not worried about the agendas of things, not worried about trying to shift public opinion. They're just there to sell you coffee or to, to sell you a sandwich or you know, a generator for your house, that mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And so um, small business, I would expect if you were to just say, hey, let's sort through these without the numbers and looking at all of these, I would expect small business to be at the very top of that list. Because again, there's just, I don't think of, of small businesses having an agenda aside from, from providing a product for the people. Right. And sometimes they are the victim of other uh, political people with an agenda, like, you know, bake my cake for my wedding or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these people just, they're happy if they get a good night's sleep because it's, it's very rough. My husband has run a business for many, many years. And yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Those are great insights. They're just trying to survive. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, well, so good. I'm glad because I know they did take a hit, um, during COVID and mm-hmm. that, that kind of broke my heart about what people were going through. Businesses closing. They put their whole lives into these and just like that, you know, we get um, we get a pandemic and they're done. I mean, that's just that's mm-hmm. devastating. That's just that's their livelihood. And and then what do they do? Right. This is all they've done. So. All right. Well, right. Um, good. Thank you for that. OK. Secondly, the military. And I know there's a headline today related to the military, but Americans reflexively support our troops for their service. Right. They love the flyovers and the parades and they're grateful for all the military has done for them. Um, is there any threat you can foresee that might make Americans think twice about their military having American interests at heart? I mean, is is that ever a scenario? Because I know Biden called up a lot of reserve units, unofficially it says, to deploy to active duty in Europe in Operation Atlantic Resolve. And he said they'd never fight in Ukraine. And now, well, here we are. So is there anything they could do that, that Americans would, would really come to distrust them? What do you think about that? Well, absolutely, because we're watching it happen. Let, let me, mm-hmm. since you and I have the, the graph in front of us, small business over that two years dropped from 70 to 65% of people saying that they have a great deal or a fair amount of confidence in them. Mm-hmm. The military during that same time has dropped a full nine points from 69% down to 60. What has happened mm-hmm. in those two years? We've had the, the people like Mark Milley and people like him that are starting to talk about gender equality mm. they're putting out the, the psas showing transgendered people um being involved in recruiting and you're thinking you're trying to recruit such a small segment of the society and you're alienating much larger we're noticing that they are every single one of the branches of the military is saying that they are not meeting recruitment goals and i think that there is again cause and effect mm-hmm. it used to be um Rush Limbaugh had a great line years. He said it forever until he he passed. But he said the military's two objectives is to kill people and break things. (laughs) And when it went away from that to try to get into social engineering, and so we remember hearing Mark Milley say about, you know, they start in with the same racist stuff, all the woke nonsense that you get. It doesn't change the rank and file people. But when you start to see the leadership get into all of the silly political stuff and all of the cultural things, there's no surprise to me that it's dropped almost 10 points over that two years. Mm -hmm. But still, like you say, reflexively, we want to support our troops, 
it's the problem, and you'll find that as we go down this list, it's what happens at the top. It's not the rank and file that are the, the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I think that, uh, you know, when I meet someone who served, I say thank you for your service. And I think uh, from person to person, Americans do really appreciate. But again, like you said, politics politics will enter in and it will change the face um, and I don't know how far this thing is going to go with Operation Atlantic Resolve because it is unofficial. I don't. I. Uh, I guess I should have seen it coming, even though he said we're not going to do that. Well, and now Russia has said, well, now you just inched us closer to World War Three. So you know, here goes. Here comes the rhetoric, and um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it remains to be seen. Right? We will find out as the days go by. We will. Yeah. Number three, the police. Uh, wow, we've seen a certain change in in uh, the approach to. Um, the men in blue, and uh, it it almost seems to me like it's a regional thing, you know. And there's a left and right involved. I mean, there's it's very polarized. And the numbers are, let's see, there was a in 2021, 51 percent approval, and now it's at in here in 2023, 43 percent approval. I guess the way the media portrays the police, I thought it would drop more than that. What do you think about that? You know, I'm glad you said it because the media. Um, there, there are some institutions within these institutions that are creating much of the problem that we see in the decline. Mm-hmm. So a nation should have all of these groups that are mentioned here kind of having the same objectives, and yet they've become almost territorial and tribal and trying to push an agenda, which now has become a circular firing squad uh, <laughs> among many of these groups. But show me between Congress that we'll get to and, and media um, who's pushing the agenda the most and changing people's minds about things? Uh, it is the media and those in Congress, especially on the left of the political spectrum, who have done everything they can to undermine the police, most recently happening with uh, George Floyd mm-hmm. and what happened with him and the, the uh, things like that. They will take the actions of a few people and then just kind of uh, make it seem as though it's somehow systemic. And so I, I'm not surprised. And like you, I am. I'm surprised at one thing. I'm, I'm not surprised at the decline. I'm surprised that the decline isn't steeper than mm-hmm. it actually is. Mm-hmm. We had a whole summer of that violence that happened, all as a result of, of hatred and anger towards the police. Yeah, yeah. And I, my heart breaks a little bit every time I hear of an officer shot in the line of duty, or how you know whatever happens when it when it is racially racially motivated or seemingly um, all those all those political things that enter in and so you know here and there there are still pockets we're not seeing the the, the protesting at least not that I'm aware of and mass against the police but we are still seeing those pockets because this these media reports they have an effect I mean if they think that there there's not blood on their hands um, for you know fomenting all of this then they're kidding themselves of course there's blood on their hands for all kinds of reasons but um, I hate to see that these people, uh, young people, just who are just starting out in the police force, and and their lives are wiped out. People with families, and it's kind of heartbreaking. So I think America is still, for the most part, in support of the police because we know what's going to happen if they're defunded and they no longer are taking care of our cities and towns. Um, I don't know. People with with uh, <clears throat> people with clear heads and clear minds understand what's at stake here with the police so um it is polarizing all right uh, any more on that on the police thing yes yeah i guess i just want to say uh, i remember when i heard that there is 
systemic racism in law enforcement during George Floyd and that whole summer of Antifa and BLM. And I remember uh, looking at the numbers, and there were 700,000 people in the country that either worked for direct law enforcement, the police or the sheriff, or any other person who is an armed officer, so you include CIA uh, or uh, FBI and all that kind, and it's over 700,000 people. Mm. So if there was systemic racism, 700,000 people would stack up the bodies in the street in the millions, and yet we don't see that. So it's a lie peddled by the media and those with an agenda to say that there is a systemic racism, a systemic this, that, or the other thing. No, it's not systemic, or else you would be able to see the evidences of it in the street. Mm. You're taking the examples of a few people doing a, doing what they did, whatever it may be, from George Floyd on down, and you're, you're basically making everyone who puts on a uniform just equally as culpable, and that's just wrong. Right. But again, you have those in Congress, you have those in the media with an agenda to push a narrative that's going to give this kind of an outcome, and it's yeah. really frustrating. Wow. All right, all right. Um, you're listening to Stand Up for the Truth. We're talking to Chris Quintana about the Gallup poll and Americans' distrust in uh, uh, the institutions that we've taken for granted. We're on number four, Chris, the medical system. I thought would be closer to the bottom with the you know fake pandemics, the jab, the gaslighting, and do we throw pharma in here too? What do you think about uh, medical system being at number four? Pharma's got to be thrown in with it, and yeah. I think that that's. You're probably seeing that reflected in this from 44% people had the uh, the confidence in them to 34% mm-hmm. just in two years. Well, so what happened in that interval of time? Yeah, you had the, the jabs. You had the people like Fauci's. I Really, Fauci was the face of this, as, as people would see the medical system, because he was heading up the, uh, the government's response to COVID. And uh, so everything that he did, in fact, it, I think you and I joked about this, whatever Fauci would have told me during COVID, I'd do the opposite, and then, then I would be able to survive it. Um, wow. yes. So he's done everything he can to undermine it, and yeah. people like him. Yeah, yeah and I think the... I think some of the veils being dropped about the side effects, and I think, you know, it's been the white elephant, or the elephant in the room uh, for a while now, and uh, gaslighting people about what they're going through. I th- I think uh, it's kind of going the other direction, but still the damage has been done, and um, mm-hmm. boy, that's heartbreaking too, because people's lives were changed forever over such horrible advice and a horrible agenda. So um, shall we go on to the next one? Oh, yeah. Yes, the church, or... Or, or, it says, the church or organized religion. Okay, those are two completely different things. Um, but the way they put it here, it's down, um, what, f- only 5%? 37 mm-hmm. to 32% in 2023. What what are we talking about here? Is it that special breed of American Christianity, uh, or is it denominations, which have been losing members steadily for a very long time? Well, how would you approach uh, this particular one, Chris? Yeah, I, I just have to go to the polling itself. If you just ask people that question, what is your, your level of confidence in the church or organized religion? If you just ask it that way in a, church, in a, a culture that's becoming more and more uh, secular, you would expect there to be a drop-off. Mm-hmm. I also have mm. to just admit, this is really a self-inflicted wound. Mm. Uh, look at the nonsense that is put out as being the church or organized religion where people are able to observe it firsthand. And that's in, in uh, you know, on television or satellite or however you watch it. 
And what you see presented as quote-unquote church really doesn't resemble anything like what church should actually be. What you're watching is the circus. And add to that all the, the news that gets just amplified any time that you can find scandal of any type, whether it's financial uh, or if it's a church that's trying to hide the, the, uh, the, the abuses that are happening at the, because of its leadership. But let's face it, you and I have talked about this probably as much as anything on this list. Um, I personally believe that, that most of the church is just some, some variety of a clown show <laughs> when you watch it on, on, on television. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't resemble anything like the first century kind of a church because it's not based upon a, a desire to learn and to know and to apply the Word of God. It's become entertainment, and it's filled with showmen, and those showmen have lots of flaws. Yeah. Or the old-line denominations that really are a snore fest to watch because there's no life in them. Right. So, you know, what, what we see presented out there to people is certainly not going to get them very excited. I don't have a great deal of confidence in what we would consider as the organized church or organized religion. I don't have any confidence in that, and I think that that's been a problem since the first century. Yeah. Um, you have the, the pretenders and the genuine, and I, I believe that the church genuine is a remnant in these days, and it, it accounts for a very small uh, proportion. And uh, again, the people who drive this, Congress probably more so, um, only, I should say, only uh, more so the news and the media never portray anyway, or even Hollywood, never portray Christians in an accurate way. Mm -hmm. So that just sways public opinion. Yeah, yeah, and it's actually good. It's good that people are a little cynical about, uh, say, the uh, Joel Olstein type of church or whatever. That's a good thing, because that means at least they have some radar on what they should put their confidence in. Now, obviously, then there are churchgoers who are putting confidence in Joel Osteen. It's this very strange, uh, like like uh, NPR says, a toxic brew. Um, it's it's there's good news and there's bad news. Um, I wish people would empty those churches that are are, are peddling snake oil, but uh, they don't. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a problem with these numbers actually at the end of the day. So right, uh, I agree. Yeah. All right. Um, we got about eight, seven minutes before the break, so hopefully we can make it halfway through here because um, I want to get to the bottom of the barrel, and you know that's Congress. So number six, <laughs> uh, the Supreme Court. Now, I don't you think this poll would depend on what side of the aisle you are on because it was a busy year for the Supreme Court, and they lost how many points here? They lost nine points since 2021. Did it, I mean, there were a couple of big things in the Supreme Court this year, right? Huge things. And here's what's weird is the baseline of this was June uh, 1st through July 5th of 2020, where it only polled at 36 percent, which makes you wonder, what did they do that made people so distrusting of them? Mm. Um, Actually, the things that have taken place, and of course, people would know because of my my view of the world, I'm elated at much of what the Supreme Court has done in taking things away from the federal government in power and giving it back to the states, mm-hmm. beginning with Roe versus Wade and the overturning of that through Dobbs, that should have been done. It was never anything other than a Tenth Amendment kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. So it's not a specific thing outlined in the Constitution, so it has to be, according to the Tenth Amendment, left to the states. So that type of thing is really, you know, it, it's, it's a no-brainer 
And yet, I, you see reflected in these numbers probably people thinking, well, they shouldn't have done anything about Roe. Roe shouldn't have ever been a, a federal matter anyway. Right. So it was really getting rid of an overreach by the court. Mm-hmm. But then there's all those big four decisions that came down just in the last uh, last three weeks between affirmative action and right. loan forgiveness and uh, the ability of, of businesses to, to conduct the business in a way that doesn't defend their sensibility. Mm-hmm. Um, they've done these things. They have judiciously handled these exceptionally well, and yet their numbers go down. Yeah, that is interesting. They're back to actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. Because, you know, when when Trump wanted this one in or that one in and all the drama over um, the the various justices who were up for consideration and all that just went on and on and on. And, oh, we got to pack the court. And and to, to actually people wanted to change the Constitution so they could. Oh, my goodness. That was that was really discouraging for a while there, because I don't know what they're going to end up to be able to do. I don't I don't trust them at all. I don't trust the progressives slash Democrats slash liberals when it comes to handling the Constitution, A, and B, the Supreme Court, when it comes to the Constitution. Right. So, so yeah, and go ahead. This is a good place to interject and just say, you know, when we the, the, the old trite uh, way of saying it is that uh, elections have consequences. Right. They do. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at the judicial philosophy and the voting record of what you have between Gorsuch, uh, Kavanaugh, and Barrett. Trump's appointees versus Katanji Jackson, who Biden put up. Mm-hmm. And it's terrifying. If you read her dissent in some of these things, you just think, goodness gracious, thank God for for the, the Trump years of getting those three justices by way of comparison, though sometimes they make me just want to pull my hair out. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. And it's not over yet, right? But I, I was, no, I was encouraged by what... Uh, um, you know, the agreements they came to this, this last couple of months. I thought that was very, very mm-hmm. encouraging and surprising. I was surprised. Yes. Um, so, okay, we got a couple minutes. Let's, let's go to banks. Now, banks, <laughs> trust in banks. Wow. A black hole of mistrust, really, depending on how many banks have folded <laughs> recently, right? So, so our, our emotions are up and down with, with banks that fold, but they, and they merge a lot. I mean, uh, so there's, it's an ever changing landscape and CBDCs won't help much with the trust thing because of the invasion of privacy. So banks, what numbers do we have here? Banks, they're down by 7% in two years. What do you think about that? Yeah, frankly, with banks, I don't think people genuinely understand just how much there should be distrust of banks, yeah. basically from the top. Yeah. I, really. I mean, the, the things now they're beginning to really buy into uh, gender equality and uh, uh, inclusiveness. They're getting into all of those kind of metrics of how are you going to do business by buying into all mm-hmm. the cultural stuff. Right. And you're hearing that through the CEOs on down. And it just changes the mom and pop way of just going in and seeing the person at your local branch that you may know by name. There's This is one of those places where you see that there's a real disconnect between the day-to-day reality of what mm-hmm. we see in banks versus what's happening at the corporate level nationwide right. and the way that they're doing the things that they're doing. And then add in when you find the corrupt banks doing the things that they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's, again, this is surprisingly higher than I thought it would be. There's a lot more wokeness among the the staffs and the presidents and those banks than I I didn't know that until they started to fold and they were it was being exposed that there's a lot of woke agenda in there and people like you mm-hmm. said people just want to do business with their bank and now they don't want to the money's going back under the mattress money that isn't real anyway so it all starts with fiat currency that isn't real anyway and now we've built right. this entire you know uh, system 
Um, wow. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me. Like I said, banks is what, uh, 6%? No, 7% down in two years. All right. We only have a minute. So we can start this one and we might have to come back to it. Public schools. Where do you start with their agenda after COVID? Um, and higher education, which is missing from this poll. So we'll start this, but I think we're going to have to pick this up again because you got mega liberal universities. We got to talk about that. Um, and that's plunged according to a different poll, um, quite a bit. Um, so what do you think about the public schools? We just have a minute to start this one. Yeah, and I can say that um, so much of what we see that ails the entire country and why these polls are so bad and so down begins with what happens in public instruction because it's been going on for decades. Mm-hmm. The slide away from academic um, pursuits and excellence, now we're basically turning them into indoctrinations uh, I'll leave it uh, as we go to break. When I saw, and this is in the in uh, at Brown University, forty percent of them identified as as non gender specific, male or female. That didn't happen when they went to Brown. That happened because mm. of public education, and these are the wow. elite. Wow. So you know, we we know the indoctrination and the grooming that's happening in public schools, yeah. and it creates the secondary yeah. problems we're reading about. It does. It does. You're listening to Stand Up for the Truth. My name is Mary Danielson. We're talking to Chris Quintana about the Gallup poll on Americans' confidence in institutions, and we'll be back shortly with more. Our social media pages are shadow banned. Thanks for your prayers and sharing our posts at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. My name is Mary Danielson, and we are speaking to Chris Quintana today. We're having a, a good discussion on recent trends in Americans' confidence in social institutions. Uh, Gallup poll, they've been doing it for about 50 years or so. And there's some eye-opening things in this particular season of time we find ourselves in. And we were at, there are 16 total, and so we were just scratching the surface on public schools. And Chris, you had some comments about that. And also the changes since COVID, and the children, of course, are the ones that suffer the most with changes like wear a mask and and uh, work from home and, and all these sort of things. And higher education, uh, parents are paying for their darlings to go to the school of higher education um, liberal universities, which are most of them, of course. Uh, it says, uh, according to a July 11th Gallup poll, 28% said they trusted a great deal in higher ed. And in 2023, it's down to 17%. Uh, Chris, so parents are still paying for higher education, correct? And a lot of money. Yes, and hoping that they can get that debt forgiven by the president. But uh, that's another story. <laughs> that's another story. Um, just the idea that, again, we are making these places... Uh, um, institutions of indoctrination. So um, why would you have any confidence in a public school that has underperformed against other uh, Western and and first world countries? Our kids are just woefully Mm -hmm. uh, inadequately instructed because we're no longer dealing with the, you know, with with, uh, what's just the the intellectual stuff in the way of, of learning basics. We're indoctrinating them on the cultural side of things. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, public schools, I don't have any trust in them. I, we did not send our daughter to, to public schools, and uh, my grandchildren 
Uh, if we have anything to say about it, wouldn't go there either. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I don't want my kids indoctrinated yeah. that way. And it's even past that. It's become just uh, they're teaching perversion, basically. And I've never mm-hmm. thought I would see such a thing. We've done quite a few stand-ups on homeschooling and that sort of thing and what's going on in the public school. But it is still shocking, even though you and I know and have heard, you know, uh, the whole gender issues um, and and how they're uh, going against the parents and they're not letting the parents know and the parents aren't welcome at the school board meetings, et cetera, et cetera. It is an absolute mess. And when we had the higher education, like, say, in the 70s, my brother went to University of Madison, you know, mega, mega, mega liberal uh, at that time. And so now we're seeing the fruit. Don't you think we're seeing the fruit of that whole generation having gone to these uh, woke universities? Sure. That's why you have um, people identifying with any of 50 different genders. Yeah, right. uh, that stuff does not happen to anybody just on their own. They don't mm-hmm. come up with those conclusions. Right. That has to be presented to them as being optional, and uh, to stand against it is not uh, is not something that's tolerated. You have to yeah. be um, not only accepting of it, but embracing it for your own personal decisions. Yeah. Uh, there's no other explanation for the proliferation that we see in people who can't even determine whether or not they're a male or a female. Yeah. That's just one of many examples. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to move on a little bit here for the presidency uh, is our next one, which is down 12 points. There's a lot we could say, Chris. What do you want to say about this one? <laughs> well, there is one. I, I, I Let me throw this in real quick. There's one institution that is not mentioned in this, and that is the one, the institution of marriage. Mm. And uh, you and Tim have an anniversary that I'd like to congratulate you Thank on you. your years of bliss with that fine man, a very good friend of mine. You both are. And so congratulations to the two of you on the institution of marriage. Thank you very much. 41 years on Sunday. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. Love it. It is awesome. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. As for the presidency, um, again, great institution, just not very well occupied by people. Uh, <laughs> so it's one thing to, to have a problem with the president at any given time, but the office of the presidency used to be something that you could have reverence for. Mm-hmm. And I, you, I know you've had this too, Mayor, because you've been at it as uh, long as I have, actually a little longer uh, as far as this is concerned. But when it comes to the president, if you say something about, about it, you'll hear sometimes people say, well, you're supposed to respect the president. No, respect is earned. I have total respect for the, the office if it's if it is the, the office that was developed as part of our Constitution, but what it's turned into by the occupant is another story, and that changes from one term to another. Right. So the question is, are we talking about the person or the institution? Right. Right, and now we have uh, one who was a president in the fairly recent past who is still presidenting. Um, we know that Obama is still behind a lot of this because the person that's in there does not deserve our respect, and we're being conned every single day that we get up and think that, that the person that we voted for, and then, then the election process, that's an entirely different podcast. Um, and so I think the distrust it should be really across the board. Now even the process is up for grabs. We don't even know if it's worth to vote because is this all compromised as well, right? Yeah, that's the problem. And, and I, there's an insidious little thing there that I think that some people want it to be exactly that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, they've done what they can to undermine the institutions, plural, because, you know, votes are, are everything from your local dog catcher all the way up to the yeah. president of the United States. <laughs> Indeed. So, oh, man. yeah, I'm thinking that people people's voices don't matter. 
Um, if we want to get into the eschatology angle of this, I, I do believe that the world will look at, at some point. Uh, it, won't rem- it won't be reminiscent of anything that we've ever seen, but I think that that's going to be the condition of the world before the rapture of the church. Mm-hmm. And uh, turmoil is something that the devil loves. He, he loves a vacuum. He creates them so that he can fill in that gap. Yeah. And so undermine the institutions of the nations and then pour in whatever you can to put forward your agenda. This is what I would expect as we get close. Yeah, especially with the whole Marxist agenda that's been operating covertly in this country, and not so covertly at the moment, for a long, long time. So this undermining is to be expected. So 2024 should be interesting. That's all I'm going to say mm-hmm. about that. We need Definitely. to move on. Large technology companies, I call it big tech, um, sponsors of the surveillance state, censoring social media um and and the differing views on platforms like YouTube. We're just going to unplug you if we don't like what you have to say. And again, CBDCs. What you, what what do you want to add to the big tech lack of trust, which I think went down uh, three points since 2021. Yeah, which again, it doesn't deserve that much when you think about big technology companies: Google, Facebook, mm-hmm. um, uh, Microsoft. Um, you know, all the all the big tech companies. We know that they had a complete agenda and have for a long time in um, agreement with our intelligence agencies, the federal, uh, the FBI at the top of that list, which they don't even show up here. The FBI and the intelligence don't show up on this, uh, this institution, you know, polling that's here. But the technology companies have a total absolute agenda and they are they are affecting the day-to-day lives of people in ways that you can't even imagine beyond mm. just taking your personal information and selling it and uh, and the, the data mining that takes place. Uh, these are the ones that are probably the scariest in the clandestine ways of any of these institutions because of the damage that they can do to you that you don't even know about, you know, beginning with TikTok and going down from there. Right. Right, and the run-up. I mean, that that kind of technology, that that uh, foundation has to be in place to realize Revelation 13. So now we have the run-up mm-hmm. to Bible prophecy, which makes it even more insidious during the tribulation because we can't have um, what it describes in Revelation without it, you know, without that infrastructure that's been building for a hundred years, technology-wise. So yeah, they. Um, I, I I'd put most of these people at the bottom, tied for last place, but. Um, You know, it's just uh, more to come. I mean, surveillance state means we can tell you what you can and cannot do. It's just going to get AI. I mean, AI should be in there, too. That's big tech. And we're just beginning to see uh, what can be cloned and uh, mimicked and imitated uh, with AI. And um, any thoughts on AI on your end there? Well, you know, I guess here would be my, my reply to that. I mean, haven't you guys watched the Terminator movies? <laughs> that was right. just the joke I've heard set around, which, yeah, the idea of AI, of course, it's not, uh, it's not artificial intelligence. It's basically algorithms that read what is put in and sure. what they have access to. So sure. it's only as good as the programming. Right. Um, but nonetheless, it, it can be, I think we talked about this the last time I was on the program, uh, it can present information in a completely dispassionate way, mm-hmm. which really does make it even more compelling than people that would tell a story with an agenda. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna it's gonna change the way that uh, that society works as we again move closer towards the the day of the Lord. Yeah, um, yeah. things are getting interesting on that in that field. 
there's a there's a short video on YouTube that has a, what they call a press conference with four robots. I mean, they look like people, and and they ask them questions, you know, and which just proves, you know, and they're they're just saying what they've been told to say. Oh no, we're not dangerous. Oh no, we don't want your job. We which just proves that you don't really need to have a brain to do a press conference or say what the world elites want you to say. It was just creepy and disingenuous. And if you get a chance to watch it, uh, I think it's on my Facebook page. It's just bizarre. See, I want to do a parody of that whole thing where one of them goes <laughs> sideways and starts, you know, just wiping people out. Right. Uh, that would be pretty hilarious. It would be. Uh, since it would be satire. But, you know, at the same time, uh, yeah. It's not going to be our friend. Yeah, a press conference with robots. I mean, really. And we've been watching sci-fi for how many years now? So, But there's still a disconnect that it can't happen to us. Well, mm-hmm. it it just might, and sooner than we think. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, number 11, organized labor. Uh, collective bargaining, you know, they work for working conditions, benefits, and that sort of thing. Now, I don't have any family experience in my life with unions, but I know that the number one most powerful labor union in the country is the NEA. National Education Association. So if that's where this trust is broken, I totally get that because they pit themselves against parental rights and parental input. And the number here, they're down um, really only 3% in a couple of years. But organized labor in general, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, absolutely. Um, my wife uh, was, uh, when she was in L.A., part of SEIU until finally they passed a law where you could opt out. But what we know is that um, no longer are unions primarily concerned with uh, the well-being and the working conditions of people. Uh, they are much more agenda-driven, and you can see that by who they support politically and, uh, you know, the scratching of backs, you know, in both directions. Mm. And uh, the fact that they're, they're so involved in things outside the workplace, but they can run for cover by saying, well, yeah, of course we have to be involved with the things politically, because we have to have our voices heard in Washington. Well, they're lockstep. They're monolithic in what they do as far as who they support, which means, again, like all these other ones, they have an agenda mm. and an ideology that drives them. So that's the, the, the idea of taking care of workers is one thing, but I've lost confidence because of the direction that organized labor has gone. And when Beth was in the uh, SEIU, what a wretched organization that mm-hmm. is. It's as bad as the NEA, uh, just probably not. I don't know how many they've got for, for people that are part of their union, but these are these are bad people doing mm-hmm. bad stuff policy-wise, and mm-hmm. they are not taking care of the needs of their, uh, of their constituents. Okay. All right. Well, it's good to get your input on that. I didn't really have a whole lot, but, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I believe it, because everything, there's a downgrade everywhere, so that makes perfect sense. Number 12, newspapers. Chris, what's a newspaper? (laughs) (laughs) That's what you line your birdcage with. What are you talking about? Of course you know this. Silly me. (laughs) (laughs) Wrap a fish in it. Right. And chips. And chips. Fish and chips. Yeah. (laughs) So the the newspaper... Uh, went from 21%, which isn't that great anyway, down to three. And I don't, uh, we have a local paper around here and, and it's just mega liberal and always has been. So I don't know if people actually read it. And when you go online to access the articles, they make you pay for it. So um, any right. comments on the newspaper industry as a whole? Well, uh, let's just throw it in with television news, which is just a, a couple of rungs <laughs> lower than this yeah. because it's the yeah. dissemination of information, or at least it was supposed to be. Something happens locally or even nationally. Here's the here's what happened. Here's who was involved with it. These are the things that took place with no agenda. That's what it used to be. 
or at least to some extent. Mm-hmm. Now it is absolutely agenda-driven, more so than at any time I've ever seen in my life. And all you got to do is put it on television or read it, and you can say, I can tell you who the liberal is, and I can tell you who the conservative is, just by the way that something is presented. Right. Which means that we're no longer getting information. We're getting agenda wrapped up as the news. Mm-hmm. And it's intended to make people believe a particular way. If you want to know about their influence, and the influence of other ones of these who, who really shape opinion, go watch those man-on-the-street videos where they ask them basic elementary things, and you just go, holy mackerel, it's a good thing that breathing is an involuntary response or these people would suffocate. And it makes you wish that you had um, a, a basic skills test before people could vote. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think we'll ever see that, but boy, that, that would really be helpful. Yeah, we used to we used to read the Sunday newspaper all the time growing up. You know, we'd get the paper and we'd read the funnies, of course, because we were kids. That would that's what we'd go mm-hmm. for first. <laughs> and even that had some liberal aspects to it, like Doonesbury. You know, that uh, there were some liberal aspects there too. But still, we enjoyed the newspaper and the features and such. And now the New York Times. I don't know. Do they still have print newspaper? Because that is that should line the birdcage on any given day, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right, so uh, the criminal justice system. Now, this isn't the one on TV that solves every crime in 47 minutes, right? This is something that actually exists and not in the minds of TV writers. So what what can we say about the criminal justice system? They were only at 20% trust anyway uh, in 2021, and now it's down to 17. So they've dropped three whole points. Um, What can you tell us about that and why people just don't trust the justice system? Well, that's an interesting one, because my wife has been involved in this for as long as, uh, just about as long as we've been married. Mm. She's been a court reporter, and uh, boy, the stories that I could tell. Um, but the the bottom line to this, this is, of all of the ones that we have examined here, this is the one that has probably taken the biggest beating because of an agenda. Mm. There's nothing wrong with the criminal justice system. Sure, will people be convicted because of bad, you know, uh, of, of um, bad prosecution and, and uh, juries that can't seem to figure out basic things? Absolutely. But the system itself and the idea of law and that people should be held accountable for the things that they have done, the system itself is not the problem. The, the problem is the people running the system. And uh, and even at that, I can't understand the numbers being this low unless people have been really led to believe something that's not genuinely true. Mm-hmm. So, again, a criminal justice system should just be simply, here's the person who is accused of, of doing what they've done. And if they have um, if they have done something wrong, then they should be um, uh, prosecuted for it and then imprisoned for for their offense for whatever the length of time should be. Mm-hmm. But we know that people get away with all kinds of things if they have the right representation. Right. We see it on display in Washington, D.C. right now. Mm-hmm. So I would have to throw in the, the things that happen before it hits the court, that the criminal justice system does have a different standard depending on who it is that you can um, uh, who you can show as, as your influence or who, what your family name is is a great way of trying to get out of things or who you know. Yeah. And that has become a much bigger problem of late, which probably has a lot to do with why this is seen as in such a cynical way. Yeah, yeah, and also the fact that it takes forever sometimes to get justice for a, a victim or a family. 
uh, because it just it just languishes in the courts. I think a lot of people wish there was swift justice, and um, but that's probably never going to happen. And it does have to do with representation and plea deals, and it's complicated. Uh, but clearly, mm-hmm. people have lost trust. Well, they never had it in the first place. Twenty percent only in the first place. So, very interesting. Yes, I bet. I bet your wife has many, many, many stories about such things. Number fourteen, TV news. Now, I stopped watching the nightly news several years ago. Several, several years ago. Um, it's straight propaganda from beginning to end. It's weaponized as are so many things, and I think that 24-hour news has been the death of civilization because they have to fill all their time by lies upon lies, lying liars and their lies. Uh, so what do you think about TV news, and do you, do you watch it, Chris, or no? Uh, some of it I will, um, but not much of it necessarily. And I, again, it just goes with the same thing as newspapers. It's it's agenda journalism mm-hmm. at its worst, and mm-hmm. it's easier to see there because you, all you have to do is flip the channel rather than go and buy a newspaper. But right. <laughs> watch on any given night, watch Fox News, and then watch an hour of MSNBC, and you'll see exactly what the problem is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, or you know, if you can find something even more right uh, than Fox, as as, as kind of more moderate as they are. OAN or something like that. Compare the two and you'll see exactly what the problem is. Right. And it was 16% of people trusted them uh, in 2021, down to 14%. And I don't see that climbing at any time in the near future because they're not going to stop what they're doing. Even Fox is starting a whole new kind of way of doing things. They're promising a new lineup at night. And I'm thinking, to me, that translates into a slightly different agenda, not just the people, but the agenda. So we'll see. We'll see where they end up, right? It's rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> it absolutely is. And I, like I said, I don't watch. I have my, you know, certain things that I, I look to for news. And, and I still filter and try and think through. Because there's so much um, misinformation, disinformation, psyops, and all these other things, I still, you got to take a wait-and-see attitude sometimes. You can't analyze it instantly. I think those those days are way, way in the rearview mirror, Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, we got about five minutes left. Big business number fifteen. They were they were down. Uh, they were at eighteen percent trust, and they're down to fourteen percent trust. So, what can you tell us about? What do you think about big business and why they're so clearly at the bottom next to Congress? <laughs> um, well, let's just throw out three names: Target, um, Bud Light, and Amazon. Yeah. Anheuser Busch. And yeah, yeah, right. Sure. Yep. Um, big business who have agendas like everyone else, but the problem is that they're using their their bully pulpit of uh, of business to again push agendas. And fortunately, you see somewhat of a backlash, and people are starting to make them pay mm-hmm. for being so biased in so many different ways. But that that's just the ones that are very easy to see. There's a lot of other ones that are behind the scenes, and I think of like BlackRock and other ones like that. Mm-hmm. that change the way that, that the world functions, and they are, are not our friends. Yeah. And Ben and Jerry's recently now, I, you'd think they would see what's going on, and then another company will jump in as though they don't expect the same response. I mean, isn't that, you know, doing the same thing over again, expecting different results? <laughs> um, um, well, as far as Ben and Jerry's is concerned, if you have a, a, um, a flavor called Cherry's Garcia um, <laughs> and you're a da- Grateful Dead fan, you probably sample too much of somebody else's product. Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yep. So they, you know, they've they've joined the hypocrisy movement. It had to do with indigenous land, 
and uh, when actually their their uh, company is on indigenous land. So yeah, I mean, just the, the hypocrisy is just ridiculous. And um, yes. I don't think they need sales. So I don't know what they're doing, but the wo- the whole wo- vocabulary thing is just ridiculous. Uh, so who knows who will be next? But hopefully this is a cautionary tale. Although I don't care if some of these big businesses go under anyway. It's no skin off my nose. I got no dog in that hunt. So, <laughs> so Right. Same know. here. Yeah. So, okay. So we got to get to the bottom of it. And the, when we get to the bottom of it all, what do we find but Congress in the basement digging holes? And it seems like, you know, they were at 12% in 2021, which is nothing to brag about. And now they're at 8%. Um, and I, th- I don't think Pelosi helped the situation. I think having to view her and listen to her for so many years just made people's eyes bleed. <laughs> um, and I think that that's a big part of it. But what do you want to tell us about Congress and why they are they are bringing up the rear here? Uh, I think the impeachment things made them look petty mm-hmm. and partisan. Um, and I think the idea that you would say no one is above the law when they just pass bits of legislation after legislation and they give a free pass to the people with their ideology it's it just rings so hollow and it's so disingenuous but you and i both know when you look at congress you could say democrat or republican as we look at the house and the senate if you if you look at them at an individual basis the 435 in the house or the 100 in the senate and say which one of these things which one of these people at individual places really care about me as the individual human being or are they just more concerned about their next election and advancing their own personal agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I can't pick, I mean, if I was to do it on my hands and using fingers, I probably would have fingers left over after I identified <laughs> the people that I think would actually go to bat for me. Wow. Yeah. I, I saw another number here in 1958, 75% of Americans said they trusted the government to do the right thing almost always. So this is 1958 when I was just a wee person. Uh, that's a lot, 75%. And then in the 60s, due to Vietnam, things started to go south. They recovered some in the 80s, fell again in the 90s, at which time James Carville famously said, it's the economy, stupid, and I wish it was that simple. But what you and I just went through here shows that it is no longer just the economy. Uh, it's many, many other things, and our institutions are tanking like everything else, right? You and I talked about uh even the quality of movies and television and media in general has just gone down the drain. So here we are. And uh, Chris, thank you so much. Very insightful as always. Um, really, really appreciate your time today. Oldpaththeology.net. Um, take up some of Chris's teachings and we'll be thoroughly blessed and edified. Thanks, Chris. Thanks so much for the invite, Mary. It's good to talk yeah, to you. Talk to you again. That closes another podcast in another week. Please share the podcast liberally as we are shadow banned on social media. StandUpForTheTruth.com has podcasts, a calendar, a merch link, and much, much more. Next week, Scott Shera, Eric Barger's back with us on Tuesday. Wednesday, a great replay with Mike LeMay and David Firazzo. Thursday, Ruth Christian. We're going to talk about inductive Bible study. Friday, Juan Valdez, not the coffee guy, the apologist. Join us next week on Stand Up For The Truth. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.